cage. Lock yourself in. Greetings, sweet ears. And I think I should thank you for sharing on the interwebs. There have been unintended consequences. At least, sweet ears, I hope they're unintended and you've not been selling tickets. Unintentional, ticketed, or simply one of life's little mysteries, we have had a run of billionaires down here in the cage, slumming it as they look for the next big thing. The CEO's sleepout was looking for a photo opportunity. And ex-politicians think the concrete walls might just scratch the itch of their relevance deficit disorder. Paul Watson knows the feeling. He quit Sea Shepherd this month, saying that it has become uber for bureaucrats. So, the wealthy and the powerful insinuate themselves wherever life is interesting, dramatic and exciting. So creativity and activism is a tightrope. We have to be compelling enough to attract the people to our cause, but not so compelling we focus on the compulsion and forget the cause. You heard us last week. I had day release and joined Dave in the Fortitude Valley branch of the asylum. He challenged me on Patagonia. Is there any such thing, he said, as a good billionaire? I paraphrase. If you want the accuracy of the actual sound file, head to ecoradio.net, the interweb delivers. So, Dave is suspicious about billionaires. He is not alone. He has a lot in common with Fahad Ebrahimi. That's Fahad of the Chorus Foundation. They are trying to end climate chaos by empowering the communities most affected by it. Cool focus, Fahad. In his words, my ideological orientation starts with the belief that folks don't earn tremendous amounts of money without it being at the expense of other people. We suspect billionaires because they are probably bastards. Though, of course, we want to make an exception for our own favourite stars and the odd cuddly philanthropist. Mike Cannon Books won some hearts earlier this year, down here in the dungeons, by taking on ScoMo over the AGL goes green debacle. But even the cuddly ones use philanthropy to shape the world. As I said to Dave, that's the point. Canon Brooks could not trust ScoMo to do what the people wanted, so he decided to do it for them. By earning billions, I've earned the right to influence governments and do the things governments can't do. That is the point of being extremely rich and of setting up your own charity. You can't trust democracy, so trust me. That was last week's story. And then, keep all that firmly planted between your ears, sweet ears, and let's descend into the mysterious world of effective altruism. Why give your charitable donations to the cancer clinic down the world that saved your dad? when you could apply evidence-based research into how to most effectively spend your charity dollar. That's cool. That's scientific. People like it. It has history. It's been around for about 20 years. It was spawned by philosophers. Peter Singer, the huge advocate for animal welfare and an end to anthropocentrism. Another Cambridge philosopher called William McCaskill, who re recently wrote a book called What we owe the future. 
Their ideas have spawned organisations like GiveWell and Open Philanthropy. Those organisations evaluate charities and causes and advise individuals like you and me, sweet ears, whether to put our spare change in the bucket held by the giant koala or by the people in the yellow shirts with the candle encased in barbed wire. The idea has caught on among the very wealthy. As I said a couple of moments ago, the wealthy and the powerful insinuate themselves wherever life is interesting, dramatic and exciting. When Warren Buffett was the richest man in the world, he gave half his $75 billion to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They have done their research, he said. They are clever people. I respect them. Why reinvent the wheel? But this is where it all starts to get a little wonky. The effective altruists want bang for buck, choosing an organisation like Against Malaria Foundation who give mosquito nets to tropical Africa. Now a mosquito net is a low-cost, low-tech solution to a major health problem affecting millions of people and so it represents a huge positive impact at very low cost, without much risk, without the need for new infrastructure and so much fewer opportunities for governments or private individuals to steal the proceeds. Bang for buck! Evidence-based donation to charity. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation put billions into a deep freezer on an Arctic island in the north of Norway designed to store samples of seeds of 10% of the world's food plants. The Svalbard Seed Vault, also called the Doomsday Vault, is a centralised approach, high-tech and prone to failure. In 2016, a global warming-inspired heatwave melted the ice above the Doomsday Vault and water dripped into the electronics and a percentage of the Swedes were lost before the fault was rectified. This is the antithesis of the traditional distributed method of sharing seeds between friends and neighbours. The Seed Savers Network holds meetings in local libraries and village squares around the world. It applies a method that's worked for millions of years and will continue work after the event. The event, the singularity, the matrix, the cage, the tech community love this stuff. They are wealthy, they love a good piece of scientific evidence, they plan for the future. This is their gig. No surprise then that the Open Philanthropy Foundation was founded by Facebook co-founder, how many founders can a co-founder find, Dustin Moskovitz and his wife Carrie Tuna. One of the world's richest crypto executives, this fella here, Bankman Freed, co-founded the crypto platform FTX, explicitly to invest in effective altruism. He plans to give his first billion away at the end of this calendar year. Go Bankman, get freed you fun founder you. One of Ethereum's founders, found you Vitalik Buterin, joined a bunch of other tech and crypto heads to invest billions in a charity designed to save humanity from the worst excesses of artificial intelligence. So question, does a mound of founders find make more money than a find of diamonds mined? One of the critics of all of this speculation is an AI programmer herself. Timnit Gebru is the founder of the distributed AI research. She reckons that it's pretty weird that people who work in artificial intelligence have used evidence-based research to discover that the greatest danger to humanity is artificial intelligence. 
It's kind of convenient then to set up charities to spend billions on improving artificial intelligence to save humanity from artificial intelligence. Now, you think that's getting weird? Read William McCaskill's latest book and weep. He reckons the two greatest threats to civilization are the extinction of humanity and a collapse in technical innovation. You know which one gets my top billing. So, there you have it, folks. We could die, or we could live more simply, or we could let robots sort it out for us. At some point, we're going to have to choose. Dave might be right. I don't think I'll let a billionaire make that decision for me.